0: We are in James chapter 3 this morning. If you have your Bibles, go to James chapter number 3. And uh, we're going to pick up in verse number 13 and go through the end of the chapter, 13 through 18. And uh, today talking about wisdom displayed, wisdom displayed. Uh, Again, I am so thankful to be here and sometimes I forget. So let me go ahead and throw something out there that I don't want to forget later. Uh, We have baptism right after service, and so we'd love to invite you to come and celebrate with us. Uh, Right after this service, we'll be having a baptism in the other building. I'm excited about what the Lord is doing there. This morning, uh, we've been walking through the book of James. We're in James chapter 3.13, and following, talking about wisdom displayed. In other words, when you're talking about the Christian faith. You know, a lot of times, people will make the comment or ascribe to a thought that would say, You know, when you're talking Christianity, it's just between me and God, and you really don't see it, which I would uh, disagree. I believe that when you're talking about true faith, true faith is not simply a say-so faith, but it's a see-so Faith. Not only faith, but today we're talking wisdom. Uh, but we have this idea that, that, that many have bought into when it comes to Christianity uh, that some would say this is what easy believism is all about. Easy belie- what's easy believism? Well, easy believism is this idea that, man, you just say a prayer and, and, and all of a sudden you can live like hell, but be assured you are on the highway to heaven. Which, that's just not true. That's not a New Testament description of what it means to be a Christian. A Christian is not a perfect person, but we are uh, on the journey. In fact, when you're looking at Scripture, and today we'll look at a lot of different places... Uh, but in Acts chapter number 2 and in verse number 38, Peter was preaching and Peter was asked the question about salvation. And the Bible says in second in Acts chapter number 2 verse 38, Peter said to them, repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so when you're talking about being saved, uh, 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 I think that one of the things that we have lacking today in the salvation of souls would be uh, uh, repentance, uh, repentance and lordship, repentance to turn away from my way of living life, to turn away from my sin and to turn to the lordship of Jesus Christ. No doubt scripture teaches us, hey listen, I don't want to be misunderstood. Act, uh, Ephesians chapter number two verses number eight and nine In Ephesians two and in verse number eight and nine. We are saved by grace through faith. It's not my works. I'm not boasting about my attaining of my salvation because it's impossible to attain a gift, grace, is simply a gift. A gift is not bought, it's simply received. I cannot attain it, so that's not what we're talking about. However, we're talking about when I am saved, God does a great work in me and through me, and other, will, other people will see the manifestation of God Almighty. When you're talking about an omnipotent God who spoke the heavens and the earth into existence, we have this uh, uh, process that we begin, and we call it sanctification, to become more and more like Jesus Christ such that others will see Jesus in me and through me. And so uh, James has already talked about how your faith is going to be evident. It's a see-so faith. In fact, it's not just James. Some people look at this little letter uh, uh, that's being written by James and they struggle with it because he's talking about the evidence, the manifestation of the Spirit of God and it's going to be evident. And so there's some people that struggle with that. But do you know that the entire New Testament speaks to the change that happens when a person gets saved? There is a change that happens. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians verse number 5 and Uh, not verse number 5 second corinthians chapter 5 verse number 17 he said if any man is in christ if anybody is in christ he's a new creature he's different his nature gets changed now we still have that struggle with the old nature but nonetheless we have a new nature and he begins this process again of change he changes us from the inside out it's not about from the outside in but rather the inside out John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, wrote a little epistle at the back, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And as he was writing 1st John, he says, hey, listen, to be clear, when you're talking about a person who is saved, a person who is saved will have birthmarks. In other words, you were born again. And part of the birthmarks of the believer, there are two that he mentions time and time again in his first epistle, and that would be love and obedience. Love and obedience. And the question that's got to be asked of each individual here is you say that you're saved, but is there love in my heart for Jesus and the body of Christ? Is there a genuine, sincere love that's there? Is there a desire? Is there a desire to be obedient to the lordship of Jesus Christ? When I hear his word and when I have commands that come from Scripture, uh, do I say, man, I, I want to obey, I want to follow, I have a want to do what he calls me to do. He changes us. You say, where are those signs? 1 John chapter 1, verses number 6 and 7 says, If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. and the blood of Jesus, his son cleanses us from all sin. Chapter number 2, verse number 4 of 1 John. The one who says I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. Chapter number 3, verses number 9 and 10. The Bible goes on to say, no one who is born of God practices sin because his seed abides in him and he cannot sin because he's born of God. By this the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. He's saying there's an obvious difference between someone who's saved and someone who's lost. It's obvious because there's a love and there's an obedience in their life. He goes on in chapter number 4, verse number 8. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Chapter number 5, verse number 13. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Why is John writing these things? He's writing these things so that we can look at our life and say, Hey, have I been saved? And that's a great question. And it's not being written so that we can look around at other people that are sitting around us, other people that are in our world or in our life and say, Saved, not saved. Saved, not saved. That's not what it's about. It's about you reading Scripture and looking into the mirror and saying, God, would you search my heart? Search my heart. And so James, in in James, the book of James, he's already talked about A faith that works, right? He says, hey, you know what? You say you have saving faith, show me. And so we have a, not a a, a say-so, but a see-so faith. And here he's just continuing that same line of thought and just saying, hey, you say you have wisdom, show me. Don't just say so, but show me. So today he's talking about Wisdom. And so when we're talking about wisdom, we have to understand that wisdom and knowledge are two different things, and you got to be careful not to use them in synonymous ways. When you're talking about knowledge, knowledge is simply an accumulation of facts. <coughs> That's all knowledge is. And, 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 and by the way, it's great to get knowledge, all right? It's great to study and show yourself an approved workman. That's wonderful to have knowledge. <coughs> Wisdom is knowing how to take the knowledge and apply it to life. And there's a big difference between the two. A person who has knowledge would be a person that can quote chapter and verse of all 66 books of the Bible, and they can interpret Greek and Hebrew. A person with wisdom is a person that has a love for God and a love for others. I'm not saying it's bad to quote Scripture, and interpret the Greek and Hebrew, but I'm saying if all you have is head knowledge and it doesn't overflow into the heart and to daily life and application, application, then you lack wisdom. Y'all all all right this morning? Just quiet. (laughs) William Cowper made this statement. I thought it was a great statement, just talking about, again, the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Uh, Knowledge is proud that he has learned so much. Wisdom is humbled that he knows no more. Wisdom is a gift from God. God, help me have wisdom. James already said in James chapter number 1, verse number 5, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who will give it freely and liberally. In fact, that's the only time that the Bible uses the word liberal in a positive way. <laughs> he will give liberally to those who recognize, God, I need wisdom in life. I need wisdom. It's a gift from God. He possesses wisdom. In fact, over in the book of Colossians, in Colossians chapter number two and in verse number three, the Bible says it like this, in whom, talking about in whom, Jesus Christ himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and of knowledge. That's what he possesses so james here is talking about this subject of wisdom and he says this beginning in verse number 13 who among you is wise and understanding let him show it by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth The wisdom is not, this wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. Verse 17, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace, by those who make peace. And so he's just talking about this contrast. He begins by asking, again, a question. It's an interesting question. He says, hey, who among you is wise? It's a great question. You know, when that question is posed, most people kind of sit up straight and say, hmm, don't you recognize it when you see it? If we were to ask, uh, who among you is an idiot? (laughs) We're not going to ask that question. But most of us would say, I don't know, let me see. (laughs) Let me see. And yet wisdom is one that we would say, hmm, I mean, I ain't going to brag or nothing. But maybe I got that. And he's just saying, hey, listen, don't just tell me you got it. Show me you got it. Show me you got it. I believe when you're talking about this issue of wisdom that God desires that all of his children possess wisdom. I mean, it's not exclusive just for some special group of people. I believe it's for every believer who follows Jesus Christ. You can, again, have wisdom. So he talks about two different types of wisdom, which, by the way, there's only one true wisdom. There's wisdom of God, godly wisdom, uh, and then we would say wisdom of the world, which, again, is not real wisdom, and so he gives a contrast, but he simply says, hey, listen, everybody in this place is ascribing to one or the other, and the question has to be asked, to which do you ascribe? Is it godly wisdom Or is it worldly wisdom? And so it leads to the question, well, tell me, what's the difference? And so he goes on to talk about this issue. Verse number 13, he says this. Number one, the exhortation to wisdom. The exhortation to wisdom. uh, uh, Let him show by his good behavior and his deeds and the gentleness of wisdom. And so he's just simply saying when when you're talking wisdom, wisdom is not simply intellectual but rather it works its way out into a behavioral manifestation that's where wisdom is seen it becomes evident to people Uh, it's more than just the intellect you can have an intellectual brilliant fool in fact the bible says in psalm 14 in verse number one a fool says in his heart there is no god there is is actually added a fool simply says no god no god You might not just not believe in the existence, but if you deny Him in practical ways, then you become foolish. A fool says, no God. Godly wisdom, again, is displayed uh, uh, through our behavior, just like faith is displayed. If there is no display, then it just simply doesn't exist. Uh, you may say that it exists, but if it doesn't manifest itself, then it doesn't exist. And he's going to talk about how it manifests itself. And and one of the ways would be through the gentleness of spirit with which you live life. The gentleness of spirit. That's the word that he's using here. It's a word, the same word that's used for meekness uh, in scripture. In fact, Matthew chapter number Five, Jesus Christ himself was talking in the Sermon on the Mount, and in Matthew chapter number 5, Jesus said this in verse number 5, Blessed are the gentle or the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Gentleness is a spirit that's possessed by a person with godly wisdom. James recognizes, hey, listen, we desperately need wise people. We desperately need wisdom wouldn't it be wonderful if everybody in the local church were full of wisdom godly wisdom it would be a place of unbelievable gentleness why are there such fighting and why is there dissension that exists in so many churches i'll tell you the reason why is because of lack of godly wisdom y'all all right Gentleness, Proverbs chapter 3, James recognized, again, the value of this wisdom, this godly wisdom. Over in Proverbs chapter number 3, verses 13 through 15, the Bible says, "...how blessed is the man who finds wisdom, and the man who gains understanding, for her profit is better than profits of silver, and her gain better than fine gold." Just the value of wisdom. Ecclesiastes chapter number 9 and verse number 16. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 16. So I said wisdom is better than strength. But the wisdom of the poor man is despised and his words are not heeded. Why is that? Because there is a great lack of discretion and judgment to be able to see wisdom when it's right in front of you. What do you mean by that? You got a poor man that comes in, it's full of wisdom, but we don't listen. Why? Because we don't think very highly of this individual. And so it skews our discretion of wisdom. God, give me discretion such that I can see wisdom because James is telling us that it manifests itself right in front of us How does it manifest itself, and what's the difference? That's where he goes in the next few verses. He just simply says, hey, you're going to be able to see it. Why is there a lack of wisdom in churches? One word. Pride. I know everything. I know everything. I would encourage you... To pray, there's so many different ways to pray. But i tell you one of the ways to pray. God, please, please, please give me a teachable heart. I want to be a lifelong learner, a lifelong student. Because nobody has arrived, nobody knows everything. God, help me. Bless me with humility and let me be a lifelong learner and not a prideful Individual And that's what he talks about. Proverbs chapter number 18. In Proverbs 18, he says it <clears throat> like this in verse number 12. Proverbs 18, verse number 12. Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty, but humility goes before honor. James goes on to say, hey, here's the description of wisdom. He begins with wisdom of the world. Wisdom of the world, verse number 14 following. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart... Do not be arrogant, and so lie against the truth. What's he saying here? He's saying, hey, listen, worldly wisdom, here's what happens. We've got it figured out. I know, I know how to run the church. I know how to build the church. I'm going to do it my way. In fact, there's a lot of arrogance in, in those statements when you're talking about, uh, especially pertaining to leadership. When you're talking leadership, wisdom is essential uh, to leadership in the church. And so the motivation, there are some people that are motivated by bitter jealousy. In other words, I, 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 when, when, when they look at other people, they cannot celebrate with others. Why? Because there's a bitter jealousy in the heart. Because I desire leadership. I desire a position Therefore, my heart is really messed up with jealousy, so I can't celebrate the successes of others. Have you ever met somebody like that? On the outside, they're they're attaining position, and you say, man, they must be on top of the world. I mean, they've got that position, and yet there's such a lack of wisdom. How do you know the lack of wisdom? They're ate up with jealousy. How do you know that the jealousy exists? Listen to their speech. Listen to their speech. I don't ever celebrate the successes of anybody else. Why? Because I want all the sunshine. I want the position. I want everybody to recognize how great I am. And it's lacking, there's a bitter jealousy in worldly wisdom. You say, where, where do you see that? Well, it happens all over the place. You see that oftentimes in, in homes. You see that with parents. You see that in business successes. There are people in business that they've attained positions, but you see the people in their lives are, are simply stepping stones, and that's the existence to which they see value in that individual. You ever met somebody like that? They really don't care about an individual. They don't really care about other people around them, Long as you can help me attain my position, you're a value to me. Hey, but if you can't help me to the next level, I got no time for you. You ever seen that? Y'all all right? <laughs> He's saying, "Hey, worldly wisdom is 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 ate up with jealousy." King David, if you want a biblical picture, On Sunday nights, we're walking through, reading through 1 Samuel and King David and Saul. Remember King David and Saul? Uh, uh, Saul, it wasn't King David, but Saul was ate up with jealousy. Saul was the king, right? And and Saul had already, he he was already the king. And then David comes along and and Saul just couldn't handle, he couldn't handle sharing some spotlight, showing some sunshine. He was ate up with jealousy. I'm going to run him down. Why? Because you're a threat to the position that I have and desire to have. And that is not godly wisdom. There's a world's wisdom that says, hey, I'm very jealous, I'm very consumed with selfish ambition, <clears throat> seeking a position and self-elevation. God, help me not to be marked in such a way. You know what it sounds like? Here's what it sounds like. <clears throat> if everyone would just listen to me, <laughs> we'd, we'd have it all figured out. And there's some people that are convinced. That if, if, if you would just listen to me, in churches, what does it look like? Well, the church has been wrong for centuries, but if they'll just listen to me, I, I know how to do it. It's arrogance. <clears throat> God help us. It's not teachable. It's not teachable. God help me. Where does it come from? Where does it come from? He says in verse number 15, this wisdom is not... Oh, let me, let me back up. Don't be arrogant and so lie against the truth. What do you mean, lie against the truth? Well, the truth of the matter is I'm a depraved individual that desperately needs salvation from God Almighty, and I don't have all the answers, and I don't need to pretend like I do I I, I don't have all the answers, and neither does anybody else. And so if you present yourself in such a way, you're lying against the truth. That's not true. You're lying. And so God help us recognize it for what it is. The origination origination is earthly. First of all, he goes on to say that this wisdom, uh, 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 verse 15, is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, natural. And demonic. What do you mean, earthly, natural, and demonic? Earthly. It's just simply the way of the world. Uh, The way of the world. What do you mean, the way of the world? Take care of yourself because no one else will. Self promotion. Self promotion. You got to put yourself out there. You know what the Bible says? Here's what the Bible says about self promotion Philippians chapter number two. Verses 3 and 4, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. It's an opposition to the world, number one. Number two, it's, it's natural. What do you mean natural? It means I'm living according to my feelings regardless of the word of god i'm not submitted to the word of god but i'm just telling you what i know to be true why do you, how do you know it's true because my gut tells me so it's natural it's natural even even when it contradicts scripture so what, what are you talking about can i give you a practical example okay i'm gonna do it anyways <laughs> here's a practical example hey i'm afraid here's 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 words of wisdom of someone that comes to me and says hey uh i believe god's given me wisdom to impart to you okay and here's what it is i know that you're practicing a biblical principle but i'm afraid if you do that people will leave the church Can I tell you that's not wisdom? That's not wisdom. In fact, you just became a tool in the hands of the devil in my life. Y'all all all right? It's natural. But not only is it natural, it's demonic. Why is it demonic? Because it appeals to human reasoning. That's why. That's what the devil did, isn't it? That's what the devil did. Genesis chapter number 3 with Adam and Eve. Now God didn't really, He's not really gonna kill you, is He? <laughs> to Eve. Yeah, I mean, if you eat the fruit, I mean you're not surely, surely, you're not gonna die. I mean, that's that would go contrary to who God really is. And it's an appeal to human reasoning. And so it is with the wisdom of the world. And when you have the wisdom of the world, especially, especially in leadership positions, he goes on and talks. Verse number 16, he says it like this, where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, in other words, worldly wisdom, there's disorder and every evil thing. You know, I'm thankful to be here. (laughs) my heart grieves for our convention as a southern baptist group of people we have a vacuum verse 17 and 18 the bible says this is this is this is what godly wisdom looks like here's here's godly wisdom Here are the characteristics. How do you know that that person has wisdom? Watch them. You're invited. Show discretion. Show discretion, which oftentimes we lack. Why? Because they're popular. Because because they say the right things. They go with the right circles. Mover and a shaker. Climbing a ladder. How do you know wisdom? But the wisdom from above is first pure then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy, and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. And he goes on in verse number 18. But he says, first of all, when you're talking about pure wisdom, it's pure, which simply is the same word as holy, where we get the word holy from. There's a purity of heart with godly wisdom. What do you mean, purity of heart? means there's no ulterior motive. There's nothing underlying. What you see is what you get. It's holy. It's pure. So the question's got to be asked of each one of us, why do I do what I do? Why do I do what I do? Purity or holiness wisdom would be, the answer would be, because I want to bring honor and glory to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, period. That means, no matter who it comes from, I celebrate as long as God is glorified. I celebrate. Why? Because there's no bitterness, envy, jealousy, but rather purity of heart. Purity of heart. I just want to succeed and to bring honor and glory to God. Purity of heart, number one. Number two, peaceable. Peaceable. What do you mean peaceable? Willingness to compromise when necessary. Not self promotion. You ever met somebody <clears throat> that when their idea is challenged, they become very cantankerous? I'm just gonna fight. Wisdom, godly wisdom, is peaceable. It's peaceable. <clears throat> It's gentle. Willingness to forgive. <laughs> you ever met somebody that's condescending when, when, when you're in conversation? Y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about? Make you feel like an idiot when you say something stupid? <laughs> and sometimes we all say something stupid, all right? I mean, I mean seriously. But at the end of the day, <clears throat> I can be very gentle With someone that might not say something completely like I think they ought to say it. Gentle, peaceable, not contentious, not looking for conflict, not always trying to correct everybody because I have all the answers, but rather wisdom. Wisdom is gentle, wisdom is reasonable. Reasonable. What do you mean? Reasonable. Not stubborn. Reasonable. Not overreacting. Not overreacting. To be reasonable. Not to be that person that says, oh, you don't want to do it my way, then I'm going to take my ball and go home. (laughs) To be reasonable. To be full of mercy and good fruits. And and, and we've talked a little bit about that, to be full of mercy and good fruits. I can be merciful to others, even when they're wrong. I can be merciful, right? Not just when they disagree, but even if they are wrong, God help me to be full of mercy and good fruits. What do you mean good fruits? To start with, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. I want to be a person who exercises and exhibits your wisdom. Up until this point, some would say, well, do you stand for anything if you give in? Well, it's not about always giving in either. You can be a wise person without giving in. He says... They're unwavering. What do you mean unwavering? Well, when right, when truth and God's truth is on the table, there is no compromise to God's truth. It's knowing when to compromise and when not to compromise. If it's God's truth, then you never compromise God's truth. But to be unwavering always seeks to do right. In fact, some would even suggest talking about without showing favoritism. And uh, God help me. Without hypocrisy. Without hypocrisy. What do you mean without hypocrisy? A different mask depending on the audience. That's all that means. You know, I come to church on Sunday and it's hallelujah, praise Jesus. (laughs) Life's great. I love you, brother. Bless you, God bless you, God bless you. And then on Monday, it's a different story. You know, a truly wise person is one that if you meet them in church and you meet them on Monday, you meet the same person. It's a godly person, godly wisdom they possess, not worldly wisdom. He goes on to say, And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And the word seed has been added to the NASB, just by the way. Uh, it's not in the KJV. <clears throat> just simply talking about, again, the seed would be the wisdom. This godly wisdom, this godly wisdom whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. In other words, if you have godly wisdom, you know what goes with godly wisdom? Righteous living. In peace, righteous living in peace. it goes with wisdom. And so the question is, am I a person that exercises godly wisdom or worldly wisdom? And there's characteristics it says it, it'll be evident. show me, show me, show me. Do you know what the where godly wisdom begins? You know where godly bit wisdom begins? The moment a person recognizes I have sinned and fallen short of God's glory and I need Jesus to be my Savior. That's where it begins. And the question is, have you begun? Have you begun? Ever been a time in your life when you recognized, I've sinned against God? Because the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the Bible also says, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever will believe in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. God sent His Son, Jesus, into this world, not to condemn us, but to save us from our sins. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Ever been a time in your life when you recognized, I am a sinner, and I am not living for Jesus, but I want to? And you repent, 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 God, forgive me. I have sinned against you. And from this moment forward, I want you to come into my heart, cleanse me, be my Lord and Savior, and I will follow you forevermore. Salvation. Most wise decision you'll ever make is right there. If you haven't, I'm encouraging you today. Call on His name while you may. Call on His name while you may. Would you join me for prayer this morning? i'm going to pray in just a moment and after we pray we'll sing a song and when that song has been sung i'm just going to invite you man maybe you're here today and you would say hey i I'm not saved. See, coming to church doesn't save you. Being religious doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. And I'm inviting you to come to Jesus today. If you've never called on His name, we're going to sing this song after we sing. You come. We're going to wait for you today. We're going to wait for you today. And brothers and sisters, I just want to encourage you today. Man, this godly wisdom... It's a gift. Oh God, give us your wisdom. God, I pray that my life would be marked with humility, with mercy, with consistency. Oh God, I want to represent you well, such that when others see me, they can clearly see you. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this opportunity that we have to gather today. And God, I pray your Holy Spirit would search our hearts and minds. Father, for those that are here, whether they're in the building this morning or online, I pray, God, if they're not saved, that your Holy Spirit would draw them to you. God, we recognize that nobody can come to you unless the Father who sent you draws him. So, God, we're asking your Holy Spirit to begin knocking and drawing. God, only you can give life. And so we pray for that today. Thank you for this time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.